Hey, Joe. Uh, what's up, buddy? Uh, so, like, I, I know I'm not the GM of a National Hockey League team and stuff, and I know you really hate making reactive moves and stuff, but I have a tiny suggestion to maybe get a goalie. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league? Yeah, we are. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for March 8th, 2021. Coming up on the show, super fascinating games against some California teams with nothing to complain about whatsoever. But before we play the whoosh, let's introduce the other disembodied voices. Joining us, as always, are Earl of Six. What's up, Earl? Hello, friends. And Tiger Vixen. Hello, Jackie. Ready with friends. I like that you said ready with rants because the show's got the rant in an intro because he scored four goals. There you go. Um, so way back 100 years ago on Monday, the Avs go to San Jose, get up 2 to nothing, and then lay a gargantuan egg to lose 6-2. to two. We, we don't typically see collapses on this scale from Colorado anymore. This was really, really bad. Sam Gerrard and Gabe Landeskog scored the two. Then Wednesday's game wasn't exactly a whole lot more watchable, but the Avalanche did win that one. 4 nothing. your final Landeskog, Gerard, 2 for Miko Rantanen. Uh, but way, way more importantly, a San Jose Sharks player, whose name I do not know and don't care to learn, turns a nothing play on the way to the bench into a match penalty and a two-game suspension by checking Nathan McKinnon straight in the face. And he hasn't played since. And no matter what anybody tells you, you aren't going to know if he's playing Monday until he is or isn't in the lineup when Buck drops. So, that's obviously the like the biggest takeaway from those two games. But before we get to you know Nathan McKinnon things TM, um, there, there's two games there that were pretty god awful to look at, and one of them had a lot better result than the other. What do we take <laughs> away from those two games? Yeah, the um, first one was certainly disappointing because. They had the two goal lead. Like we've seen the blowouts, like the Minnesota game and St. Louis game to start the year, and they just couldn't dig themselves out of of a freight train. This is the one where they like created the freight train after getting up two goals. I I really think that that was the worst loss of the season, even though that Minnesota loss was certainly up there on its own as far as bad goes, but just absolutely not what you wanted to see after they sort of righted the ship against Arizona and started doing some things better. And then they just, they were actually able to score and then the sharks pushed back on them and they did nothing about it. The other thing is all the goals were unanswered. It was like, they were just done after two. It's like one thing when you're playing terrible defensively, maybe you're not getting, grade a goaltending but then you just you can't even generate one more goal against the san jose sharks is just pathetic yeah in terms of being the worst loss of the season this is the first and only game so far that i have actually just been like nope i'm out and then turned off before it was over and that was when it became five two and they weren't done sucking yeah Yeah, I turned it off then, too. <laughs> that was the Graves one, right? Yeah, that, that was when was Graves one. fell down, yeah. <laughs> he didn't more than fall down. He like, just... But yeah, you knew at that point, it's like, okay, you just gave that one up, then we're, 
we're just completely done. Because they got up two to nothing, and it was like they said, oh, well done. And and that was it. That was the end of the game. And San Jose yeah. said, oh, well, we've got all this time to keep playing hockey. If you're not gonna, we'll just do it. Fine. And I was unfortunately writing the recap to that game, and believe it or not, every single game I've recapped that so far this season has been a loss. Um, and you know, I just kept saying, okay, they're letting San Jose hang around, like they're letting him back in this, they're making it a game, and then at the end it was just like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, in a way, you just felt like they would stop the bleeding at some point, because San Jose is not a good team, and then when you saw the the Kadri own goal, and then the, the Graves, like, trying to poke check himself, and then he falls down... And you just, it's over at that point. Yeah, the, the bad part was this game sort of set the tone for the rest of the week. And, and he, you know, he, I agree with Jared Bednar that the, the 4 nothing win um, was not a very good game. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I don't think 6-2 is really that representative of how they played. Like, it was pretty close, and then it just got away from them. And then it was basically over at, at, at four two maybe. Um, but they're they're having a lot of problems executing, and I don't think it has a lot to do with injuries. I just I, I, I I've seen some changes in the way they're trying to play, and I really don't like them at all. Um, you know, I, I watched this game on delay, so I was kind of looking at, at what they were doing as far as zone entries, and they were dumping the puck a lot. Um, I've heard Jared Bednar mention a lot that they've got to get the pucks in deep and get to work on the forecheck and cycle, and, and you're just like, that's just, you know, I, I don't think that's a good identity for the team. Um, they're not using their speed as much as they did. They're not controlling the neutral zone as much as they did last year. Um, they're not getting the rush chances that they have in the past. They're they're not counterattacking as much. So, I agree I'm, I'm with not you. sure. I'm not sure why that is, and it might just be that the seven opponents that they play a lot this year, or <laughs> they yeah, play all their games against this year, just is <laughs> is not a great matchup for that strategy. But um, it, it, it seems like what they're doing is not playing to their strengths a lot. And I think this week was kind of a, a good demonstration of, of why. Well, I think there's a lot to unpack there because I agree with you. I don't think it's as simple as just saying, oh, well, they're injured and they can't play their game. But when they had to come to Jesus a bit after the first game, I and I did feel like they were going to play better they were probably going to win the second game and they did and it was because and it was when Bednar said you have to realize who's on the back end anymore like it makes a difference you don't have a car and then you also don't have Byram and pretty much the only guy that is going to move the puck like that is is Sam and and Taze has been rock solid but he's he's not quite the same type of player as the other three are but you you can't. He's telling the forward, you can't expect them to break it out the way that you're used to. You can't expect them to move the puck like you're used to. You have to be able to come back and support. You can't hang all these guys out to dry. And it seems like that happens every year, too. It was a problem last year when everyone just decided that Sam was going to beat three four-checkers every single time. 
And then when they finally got the clue that someone has to come back and help support, then they started playing better. So that's part of it, is you have to realize what your teammates are capable of at what you're rolling with into that game. And they have lost a lot of some of that dynamicism, even though there are a lot of regulars still in the lineup, but you have to you have to get real with what you can and can't do. I just I I don't see I, I don't see a cycle four check dump and chase type offense being the the answer though. No, well, it's, it... when you're playing some of these teams that their entire game plan is do not let the Avalanche carry the puck in with possession, you're gonna have to do that a little bit. It it just shouldn't you have to do it to only... keep them honest, but it it shouldn't like, be the only thing the you do. They dump the puck once they've already entered the zone, and you're just like, what are you doing? Yeah, for real. Um, but... <laughs> well, they, as I said, even last week, they they really do the dump and chase. It is part of their game. It's not just like a a panic button kind of thing because Bednar really does value the forecheck and things like that. But and it is when you're not scoring, you're not supposed to hero hockey everything and go into the zone, stay on the perimeter, one and done chances. Like we've been frustrated with that stuff too. So I understand that you have to approach it a little differently. And when we talk about the Ducks game, that's exactly what worked against the Ducks. So you ha- you have to grind it out and you have to get some greasy goals. And it does sound kind of dumbing it down or, or trying to go back a couple decades, but I get why you have to do that at certain points. Like it's, it's how you ma- need to manufacture goals and, and every team has to go through it. Yeah. And, and what, what ends up looking to us a lot, like kind of that perimeter hero mode kind of stuff is a lot of the things that we see in like the first, I want to say hundred minutes of hockey against San Jose, both the, the awful game and then the game that looked awful and, but had a better result is that, I mean, it looks like they're, they're coming into the zone and trying to play one on three, but that's because there's one, where are your friends? Like, so there's, there's the puck support is not there. They're trying to spread everything out to so thin, like they're so wide rather that there's there's no support for anybody. So if you get in just a little bit of trouble and you aren't Nathan McKinnon or Sam Gerrard and can't handle your way out of it most of the time, it you're back out of the zone again. And we're seeing that yeah. a lot with uh, with Kadri. We're seeing that a lot with um, all the other, like all the bottom forwards, obviously. Well, and I think one thing they're also doing is is they're they're keeping the F three really high, like you know, basically on the blue line a lot of the time, <clears throat> and. And that's awesome that when you're re- protecting a lead in the third period. Yeah, but they do it all the time. It's not awesome and... all the time. <laughs> no, and and it makes well, it really that... difficult to win, you know, puck battles or, or get puck recaptures on shots. So, you know, when you have that center up high shooting and then you only have two guys down low, it's basically two on four, maybe, you know, two on three trying to get the puck back. So it's like... You know, maybe you know, maybe it, it's a little tougher for the opposing team to break out, but it's a lot easier for them to recapture the puck. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's a pretty esoteric element, but it doesn't seem to be helping. Well, that seems to kind of be the story of this season. Is they're even more suppressive. They're suppressing the other team, which is great, and they're suppressing themselves too. Yeah, you can play too safe. Yeah. And I, I do think that's that's something they're very guilty of, especially lately. 
and and usually it works. Usually they're, they're usually they're very good at limiting you know the rush chances against, assuming Ryan Graves doesn't fall down. Um, which we should maybe have a skating intervention with Ryan Graves because how many times has he fallen down and left his partner with a X on one? Um, but that's beside the point. He's it's just like the. I'm going to have this play etched into my memory for the rest of the season. It, was, it wasn't it was from the San Jose games. It was from the Ducks games. Tyson Jost, like, well, I'm going to haul this puck below the goal line and set something up. He gets in trouble because there's three Ducks there and only one other Av skater below the dots. And Anaheim collects the puck and goes the other way, and there's an odd man rush. So you're not low, and you're not high. Where are you? What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> like, What? Yeah, it was like when yeah. he was trying to pinch in. And then, yeah, Jost down low is not a good idea either because he can't skate to get back in the play. Yeah, that's an yeah. all-in move. <laughs> Pretty much. <clears throat> um, I, I just, you know, I, I think there's a lot you can pick apart with the way the Avs are playing strategically and tactically. And it's... I, you know, I, I, I see a lot of player blame by Jared Bednar. That's that's usually his default position is that, that we had the perfect plan and the guys didn't execute. And, you know, I mean, there, there's a good case for that a lot of the time. But... I, I just I I am not sure he is giving the team on the ice the best chance to win with the way that that they're being set up. What would you like to see different systematically? Like, what can he do with what's available? I just I I think they need to play more like they did last year. I mean, they had massive injury problems last year, and it, they ended up playing the best hockey of the season late in February with you know like seven guys on the injured list so uh, you know i i get that that he's you know a little gun shy with with having inexperienced defensemen and um you know the the forward lineup not being what we might like it to be but you know he's proven that what they did last year works no matter who's in the lineup um so I'd, I just, I'd, I'd rather see them go back to the way they played last year and, and, and scrap, you know, this this high possession, heavy game that they're trying to play with guys that aren't really that heavy. So I think we've probably danced around it enough. Um, San Jose Sharks player gives Nathan McKinnon the dome shot. Um there, there's this big deal made about how Logan O'Connor is the first person to respond, and Logan O'Connor was the closest on the ice, so maybe don't worry about it. Um, match penalty, major power play, Gabe Landeskog scores like 19 seconds in, and then they do fuck all else with the power play. Um, yeah. But most importantly is the Avalanche without Nathan McKinnon. And yeah, that's not good. No. Yeah, Luckily, I don't have a problem just with... Against- Anaheim, but (laughs) well, first of all, I don't have a problem with the response because, like you said, O'Connor and I think Joe's because it was was in the process of a line change, right? For both teams, they were were right by the bench, and the offending party skated off towards the bench, and then he was thrown out right after that. So I fall kind of in the middle on a lot of this tough guy stuff. Like some of it is just ridiculous for show that people make up. They think it's so important, but I also don't believe it's absolutely nothing either. Like 
there is a, a point in time when you stick up for your teammates. There's a point in time when you make a point for of these certain things. And like the one time Comfort fought because he didn't like a hit on Makar. Okay, that was it was a, it was a nothing fight. But in that point, okay, like what he did was warranted. Would it have been warranted if somebody had fought this guy? Maybe, but in the situation where we were there, where they were at, who was on the ice, they were right by the bench. Like, what more could you expect? And then you don't want to yeah. go down the road of like, okay, now you're chasing hits, you're, you're trying to do something dirty in retaliation. All that stuff is completely stupid. So yeah, I mean, it's like what should Gabe have fought Pavelski or something like that? I mean, I, I just well, that would have been a stretch I, not... since Pavelski plays for Dallas. Yeah. Oh yeah, good yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, there you go. I mean, what sure. what they did do was they score on the power play immediately. Then they waste some right. time, yeah. and, then, and then Brandon Sod says, "Okay, this power play is obviously gonna, going nowhere. I'm just going to go lay on the goalie." <laughs> <laughs> right, like sometimes you, you you get your revenge on the scoreboard. We just saw another yeah. super dirty hit with with Tom Wilson and Brandon Carlo and what did Boston do? And this is Boston, right? Like no one ever accuses them of being too soft and meek and they get their revenge on the scoreboard. They blow them out. So, so I think that's just, just as satisfying as, okay, you have your gooniest player, whoever that tends is at this point. I don't even know who you would, you would call the abs and force it probably because of size graves. You're just going to have them like cheap shot a guy. Does that make you feel better? It's just it's completely <laughs> stupid. So I think nuke should be in the, the enforcer. No, you know, no, no, no. Cause he's, like, you know, he's no, huge no. and he's Russian. He's mean looking, even though he <laughs> has a really goofy him. smile. Seen him fight. <laughs> it's That's not, it's N-O. not good. That's, yeah. <laughs> As an N O P E. That's what that is. I mean, no, I mean, Honestly, no, if you if you want somebody out there scaring people, like Nuke would be the best. Not not no, the best. No, it'd fighter. be Renouf. We've seen him in the AHL. That guy can throw down. And plus, I mean, you don't yeah. give a crap if he gets kicked out or whatever happens to him. But no, we didn't need to see that happen. Now, as far as the yeah. hit itself, um, I don't think it was intent to injure. Or did I think it was reckless? Absolutely. Did I think he wanted to hit McKinnon on the way to the bench? Absolutely. Do I think he wanted and intended to hit him in the head? No. Probably not. But as I said on the Discord, this kind of cross-ice predatory hit happens all the time in the NCAA. Like, once a game, somebody gets the brilliant idea that they need to hit a guy in that manner. So I'm not saying it's right because it happens so often, but I'm just saying that's the way a lot of guys do play. And I don't think the offending party was an NCAA player, but just to say, like, some people are taught to play that way, and and it happens, and he justifiably so got suspended for it, but it's it's not something we're never going to see again, is guess what I'm trying to say. Oh, he's an yeah, AHL I mean- player who has good AHL stats, and he's done fuck all in the NHL, and he's trying to, like, he, he's, he's just trying to make a line change. And then he sees, oh, I can blow this guy up and maybe keep my presence felt in the lineup. And Yeah, absolutely. Then that's what happens. Like it's it's yeah. just the result of a of a plugo trying to throw a big hit that's not gonna actually do anything because the avalanche are right there to recover the puck anyway. To just just blow a guy up so that you can get another two National Hockey League games. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, the, and honestly, like like Nate usually takes those hits really well. So I mean, I I think it's just sort of an unskilled hit. You know, I I really don't think he was trying to hit Nate in the head at all. It just you know the, the guy's just not very good. So that's what happened. You know, especially when you compare it to like what Wilson did to Carlo, which is basically like attempted murder. <laughs> Unless you're a Caps fan, and then it's illegal and fine, and your team should do it too. <laughs> yeah, I was just. But more yeah, I mean, it sucks. I mean, it's like I, I hope Nate's career isn't ended because of this or anything bad. Okay, but... don't even say anything like that. I haven't even right. gone down that road. But but regardless of you know, it, the the fact of the matter is is just you know you, you made a dumb play and now a superstar in the league is unable to be on TV. Um, but that that's how it goes though. He's hardly yeah. the only one that that happens to. Right. And how much of Sidney Crosby have we lost to Dave Steckel's elbow? Yeah. So. I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more often. It's, It seems like about once or twice a year that we have these kind of hits, which obviously we hope it's zero times a year, but in a way it does surprise me that it doesn't come up more. Yeah, well, I mean, the game happens so fast, and there's, like, a fair amount of skill differential between your McKinnons and your AHLers, so... And that's the culture you've created when you put these plugs in the lineup is you're, tell is you're telling them to make an impression. It's exactly why Gilbert did that stupid fight is because <laughs> it's for the exact same reason that you know the limited minutes. I mean, how many minutes was that guy on the ice? Five minutes and it was in the middle of the third period. Like, you know, that could be it. That could be literally the last time that you're on the ice before you get sent down. And that's the culture. These guys are told you have to do something to make an impression. If you don't have the puck, what else are you going to do? You either have to hit somebody or you have to get into a fight. And so the impression that he leaves is putting his team on a five-minute penalty kill and then suspended for two games, which, if if I had my way, would mean that the team plays without a roster spot for, for those two games, but nobody asked me. They should. Yeah, I because, so. oh yeah, what punishment is it? Oh, okay, now you can't play your ahl -er. And you're just going to play somebody else. <laughs> like, who cares, right? Getting suspended should cost you a roster spot. It should. I agree. So a lineup spot. That, that's what I mean. A lineup spot. Yeah. Yeah. Not a roster spot. That's a, that's a different thing. Okay. So now the Avalanche don't have Nathan McKinnon. And so the top line is uh, significantly worse. What do you do? What the Avs do on Friday is come back home to play a set against the Anaheim Ducks. And boy, was neither game any better to watch than the first two this week. Colorado win the first one 3-2 in overtime on the back of a two-goal night for Val Nichushkin, just like everyone predicted. And Brandon Saad added 1-2. Then Saturday, the Avs maybe don't play amazing, which happens when you're missing Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarbo, and Byron Eric Johnson, Matt Calvert, and now JT Comfer. Not that those guys are all amazing, but they're not AHLers. But they did enough to win. Instead, with help from two completely unacceptable penalties, they suffer an overtime goaltending loss. 5-4 your final. Another two-goal night for Ranton, and plus one for Saad, and a nice goal for Logan O'Connor. This team simply cannot continue to play Hunter Miska. Let, yeah. let, let me wow you with are some stats here. 
<laughs> at all strengths. He's averaging more than a goal allowed above average per hour. Has a save percentage of 865, which on the PK absolutely craters to 6.5 excess goals per hour and a 750 save percentage. He has four starts, has yet to break an 890 in a single game, and his sole win... He only saw 18 shots on goal and still gave up two goals late in the third, although, to be fair, one of those was kicked in by a teammate. But still, you have to fix this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is something we, you know, uh, most of us that have seen Hunter Miska play knew that that he has some style flaws, uh, to put it mildly. Yes, let's just not say he's nervous. Because yeah. this is how he plays. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's how he. <laughs> that's a it, wild it works take. in the AHL a lot better than it works in the NHL, and it just—I was pretty sure it wasn't going to translate. Um, it did translate last night into Hunter Miska making a one hell of a kick save on a pass yeah. from below the goal line to a crease that had no ducks in it. <laughs> well, then my question: This is what are you willing to spend to fix it? Nothing. Yet. Because. My first inclination is to try your other options um, internally. And then if if the other two guys that are under NHL contract, the guys that you thought so much of, that you signed them to NHL contracts, if neither of those are capable of surpassing Hunter Miska's level of incompetence, you know, then you start thinking about what do we have to waste on getting another goalie if Frank is not back tomorrow or next week or whatever. And yeah, it. I agree that those are probably the two biggest variables. One is we have no idea what their prognosis on Frank is. If he's supposed to be back soon, later, never, it doesn't make a difference. And it seems like the way that they've tried to approach the whole hold the fort down they seem to be expecting him back. Yeah. You so hope. <laughs> I think he could come back and play fine. And then he'd also be fresh. And I've, I've always felt like I like Frank's game. So I don't have a problem if he ends up having to carry the load. It's at a certain point, but of course, at this point, you have no idea what you can even count on, expect with him. It's, but it's something we don't know. They know it, and we don't know it. So are they just... Well, they might know it. They might not. That's the thing. Well, okay. But they certainly know more than we yeah, So we sure can't do. say, are they just putting the head, their head in the sand because because this, this thing's going to go off the cliff if anything happens to Groovauer? And it's just... It's silly to operate that way when this is a season where... The other shoe is dropping almost every day. We're talking about injuries. You also never know with the COVID situation. You don't know. Surprise, Grubauer can't play. Like, Miska was out for a week because of a false positive. Who's to say that's not going to happen to Grubauer? It, it does seem like you are just playing Russian roulette. And the thing that gets me is this isn't even hindsight. And we've gone over it. I'm not going to go over all the warning signs and the points that they could have at least shored up their depth in a season like this, where you knew there was going to be so many things that come up playing such a condensed schedule. You're running the risk of injuries. You're running the risk of COVID complications, yada, yada, yada. 
it's stupid to not have recognized that even if you weren't going to get someone fantastic to come in but you would have had better than what now but okay this is where we are and this is our reality what do we do about it now and and the first thing is what when do you expect frank back we don't know that they know that so it's tough to go there from that perspective but like earl said okay if you even want to pretend that merit is something your organization values, which is a very, very convenient narrative when they want it to be. And in this case, you can say that Misk is not getting the job done. Even Bednar said, well, we didn't get a save when, when the heat got turned up. And then you're not trying the other guys. Like it's, it's cute that you've written off Werner because he didn't hold up well against the Edmonton Oilers power play, which was one of the very best in the league last year. And McDavid had a six-point night and, and set a career high against Werner. And I seriously feel like they are holding that against him because Werner made them look bad because McDavid set a record against them. And you're now willing to go down with the ship because of it. And we have no idea if... That's the actual reasoning or not. But what we do know is that the worst that can happen if you try some of your other goaltenders that you have is that you lose hockey games. Right. Oh, no. We're not already doing that. One and question funny... I wanted to ask you you guys is, you know, Miska's had four starts now. Um, do you think that's a fair sample size to to say, like, this is probably not the direction we want to go in. I mean, do you think it's, you know, too long, too short? You know, I mean, like, it was pretty obvious after one game to me that maybe you wanted to have a, a plan B in, in there. Um, but, but I mean, what what do you think about... I think if you as look far at the... Being fair is, is what he's done in these four games a, a pretty fair sample size to judge him on. I think it abs. is fair on his ability. I, I think yeah. if you're looking at the big picture, though, he played four games. He got the abs four points. So he is not he's not cratering the season. He's not the reason why they're not leading the division or anything crazy like that. Like he got a win. He got two overtime wins and a loss. So he got them. Yeah. four points. I mean, you'll take 500 from your backup. Right. Anytime. Right, and he, and then even considering he's not the backup, so and he's not out there giving up six six goals, getting just getting them down four to nothing in the first period or anything like that. But like I said before, he's the exact reason that an NHL goalie is closer to giving up two goals a game, a non NHL goalie is closer to giving up three goals a game. So right. when you play him, you pretty much figure you're you're going to give up one more goal than than you would expect either Frank or Grubauer. So so I think if you're looking at it from what has he really done, what has he really given the team, if you want to be fair to him and you want to look at the big picture, that he's not the reason why you're where you are at in the standings. He's not. Miska's given you four points in four games. And um, But if you want to believe that this is an organization that found itself on merit, which is always a pretty convenient narrative when they want to use it, not when they necessarily always feel like using it. So at this point, can you say that he's done so well that you shouldn't 
see what else you have. Like what Earl said, you know, they don't seem to believe in Werner and Peyton Jones. They just signed because they had to have some guy for the taxi squad. But also what they've done is they haven't gotten these guys ready to play. Werner's just played his first game in two months. I think Jones has played two games for the Eagles. The 19-year-old Trent Miner that they just sent back to the WHL, he's played the most games for the Eagles. So so what you're not – it just seems like they're not willing to see what else they have, and they absolutely should if they're then going to go out and spend money on this. Like should – like, would you even consider bringing Annanen, who is already signed for this year, um, over from Finland at this point? No, because they're not going to play him. So what's the point? <clears throat> I don't think he's going to be available for a while because I was looking and their season was extended to April and then who knows how long the playoffs. So we're talking like May at this point. Well, he's, Which I they... mean, he's under contract to the Avalanche. They can bring him over anytime they want. <sighs> I don't know the specifics of that rule, if it's as easy as we just feel like calling him up, so we're going to call him up. I, I don't would, know. I, mean, I would imagine simple. that most guys have an NHL clause in their club team contracts. But okay, if assuming that's something they could do or begin to arrange to bring him. It's tough because then he'd have to get you know, here. And, and I'm just saying this start. in the realm of exploring all options. You know, and again, if Frank is going to be back in a week or two, then, you know, this is really academic. But um, since we don't know, you know, I, I do think it's fair to, to look at Miska and say, yeah, he has, you know, given four points in four games. That's not bad. You know, that's what you're looking for. Um, it's, it's painful to watch, especially when you throw away a point like they did last night. Um, in, in a pretty disheartening loss. Um, it's just, I, I think for the confidence of the team, more than just sort of the standings aspect of it, you, you really do need to think about, you know, are, is this something we're going to sort of go with going forward? I, I just can't imagine the guys that are in front of them are, are all that confident in, in what he brings. And that that's sort of a tough situation to be in. Well, you can you can see that in the way they play. I mean, and you and it shows up in their numbers too. Like Miska has faced you know few like r- roughly the same amount of chances, but with much lower quality than than Grubauer has. You can you can see that the team is pretty desperate to keep things to the outside. That they're you know trying to block everything they can. It's it's just like they they sell out. In, in front of Miska to try to keep things relatively under control. And in the game that he won against Arizona, it worked for most of the game, but you can't give up 18 shots a game. I'd say the, no. the team would be concerned about seeing all these other options. Like, okay, the prospect coming in from Finland that nobody's seen in North America. Okay. Peyton Jones. Like, who's that guy? I don't know <laughs> if the team would necessarily feel more confident. Like, this gets back to the circular I argument. Mean, We're all talking about third goalies. They all suck. You all just hope to God to get any semblance of points when they play. But you know what I bet Adam Werner won't do is jump out of the way of a shot from the high slot that's got no traffic. Yeah. Well, that's the inex- <laughs> really the inexplicable one is Werner. Like, why isn't it not Miska and Werner at this point? Like, you play one of them in the AHL for a week or two. 
One of them's in the NHL, and then they also get the NHL start, and then you swap. Like, what? What are they using to justify that they're just going to ride with Miska and Werner just is is written off? That's the inexplicable part. I don't think Werner will necessarily do better, but I do see the argument at this point. If you're going to get Miska's a lot more experienced, and and I I I hope that's not like 100 percent of the reason why. (laughs) It sure, but it's kind of tracks with the rest of the transactions, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like they don't want to use Werner specifically because he's so inexperienced. Um, I'm not sure about what they think about Peyton Jones. I'm not sure what I think about him because I've only watched like two periods of, of him in the AHL. Um, you know, I he's set all kinds of records at Penn State. I mean, it's not like he's just sort of some dude. I mean, you know, <laughs> he I was think a decent goalie. Are decent, but I I don't know if he's ready for that. But yeah, yes, he's kind of gonna... slow. Like the, the the main thing I took away is he's a, he was a little slow, but he got better as the game went on. Um, and and like yeah, I could see that being sort of a red flag, just sort of like we want to get this guy some starts before we'd want to. But then they're not really; it. they're playing Trent Minor because he's been the best in the AHL. Right, and then so... that's another conversation in itself. And and I don't know what they're thinking with Minor, like whether they're going to sign him or whether they might have already signed him for next year. We don't know. Um, but they could have. You know, they could have used him in the NHL. Um, you know, he, he they have his rights. They could have signed him to a contract and burned a year, and I don't think that would really affect his career much. That would or, have been or, bold, or his salary. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think that would affect his salary deal. structure or anything like that, but it's just you, you've got some options um, that, that may or may not be a little bit better for, for the team in front and... and you know, I, I just <clears throat> as mad as fans are, you know, again, just going back to your point that that he has, you know, done his job basically result wise, but just not process wise. And, and I get why people just don't want to see him in the in the net anymore, because I sure don't. <laughs> um, I do. I do get the point that if you're accepting third goaltender level quality, then why aren't you just trying all of them? Maybe right. some guy gets hot. Maybe some guy surprises you. Maybe you get lightning in a bottle. And Miska yeah. hasn't been so good that you're like, okay, he's the guy. It's it's silly to just hang your hat on this guy and 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 pretend that it's anything but third goaltender level quality. I think yeah. that they should try somebody else for the sake of my heart rate. Yeah. Well, then you would just know, okay, maybe you put someone in and he does give up four goals in the first period. Then then you could have your argument. You uh-huh. know, we should not... play Hunter Miska and you'll like it. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Miska's not, not anything great, but he's not losing the game he's... for you in the first period. Right. Let's you know, just and, take him until the third period. <laughs> And again, so, I, I would I would imagine the players on the Avs probably wouldn't mind knowing that, too. You know, it's like if they do put Werner in and Werner's a lot better or it, it at least like makes the stops he's supposed to make and, and maybe gives up, you know, the the tougher goals. Um, maybe he's a little more consistent. Like it's easier to play in front of that because you know what you can do and what you can't do. 
you know, it, it, with Miska, you're just like, if, if we let in anything, boy, it's just going right past his ear. It just seems like they're valuing consistency that just doesn't exist. Or they're valuing experience that is specious. Yeah, well, I mean, we we keep... We, we always refer to, to Altitude as being state media because that's all very tightly con- owned and controlled by the same people um, as, as the team. But I definitely think the experience angle is going to play into a part of it because they, they don't they don't count how old a player is in years over in at the state propaganda league or uh, agencies yeah. <laughs> because we're, we're talking about the avalanche calling up the young guys. Yeah, the young Jason Magna. That, uh-huh. that drives who was, me. Who was crazy. born when I was in friggin' college? <laughs> and Bednar does it too. He's calling Renouf and McDonald young guys. Renouf's twenty six and McDonald is twenty eight. Like, yeah. Come on, and is it, he just using that instead of saying the inexperienced guys? Because he doesn't want to use that word. Like, okay, maybe you want a different way to put it, but call them the deaf guys. Young. Call them the call ups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the young guys, like, and then he is earlier when he talks about young guys, and it's clear he's talking about like Timmons and Byram. You're like, oh, okay, that's those young guys. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what he should be using that, but it just doesn't make sense, and it seems like he's. And then the horrifying thing is, does this organization seriously think of all of those guys under the same umbrella? Because that's horrifying. It's just—it's disturbing, and it's everyone in the AHL is the same age. <laughs> they are AHL <laughs> years old. They are not because then you would see more of a mix. Your nineteenth birthday. They're very well aware of how old these guys are. The, the nineteenth. Your nineteenth birthday is the first day you play in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've we've seen quite a murderer's row of transactions this week. Um, we. It came out during a hockey game that Eric Johnson had been moved on to LTIR, um, which is not good news for him. Um, well, I do have, but a, very, very avalanche that. for that to be broken by the cap-friendly transaction bot during the second period of a hockey game. Well, cap-friendly is basically our reporter, pretty much. Like cap-friendly and the AHL transactions is is like ninety percent of our information. It's the reason why in this. And uh, this is like kind of the scary part is EJ was put on LTIR because they had no money to call up Megna. Like I see a lot of speculation out there because it's a lot of money. His six million dollars salary, they're moving it, so they must be be getting ready to bring in a salary. No, they literally that was the only thing they could do to find the seven hundred thousand dollars to pay Megna. Because when you lose somebody every single game and you're calling up yet another guy and yet another guy and yet another guy, that eats through your two million pretty quickly when they make seven hundred thousand minimum. So yeah. they had six, not even including the goalie, they had six emergency loans for the last game. And between McKinnon and Johnson and Calvert and Comfort, I mean that's a significant amount of cap hit. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but, it's mean, obviously the, the, the best but, move but you that, can do. But those cap space. hits are always going to be there no matter what. Like the, the cap hits that matter are the guys you're bringing in. Because those are the ones that are going to exceed what you've got in the bank. And those, yeah, you know, and, and even other, though other than pattern, they're all going to be small <laughs> or as small as they can be. 
And that's the funny thing is those AHL vets, they're cheaper than the ELCs. So that's another reason why they could use the excuse not to use a guy on ELC because, hey, the vets, uh, 200000 cheaper, you know. But that's just the thing. It adds up so fast that when you're adding one more day by day by day, and then you also have the, ro- the 23-man roster limit. You have three guys that are injured but not on IR. That's your whole roster limit. So yeah. that's why they have to make these transactions. And as much as like it pains me to see them have to put Byram on IR, they literally had to do it to get Megna up. And, and they had to get somebody up. And it doesn't have to be Megna, but they had to get somebody up right. because JT Comfer had mystery ailment. Yeah, yeah it, it's been every single day. I think you can go down the list, and I think it was like Calvert, then McCarr, then Byram, then McKinnon, then Comfort. It was like all in a row like that, all in one week. Every day. And it just it complete, <laughs> like, completely trashes any sort of like cap plan you have, roster plan, everything. And then like they know if – Franzos and EJ are coming back or not. Like, you can't just spend that money. If those guys are coming back, their cap hits coming back. It, it so just unless... really just, just burns to keep having all the, like, one injury per game. And there's, there's no reason to expect this to let up anytime soon because they play every other day until May. And I would say that, too. Like... It's we're exactly in the position they were when they had to have their pause. Is is these injuries were piling up, and a lot of them are not super serious, or at least doesn't seem to be. But they're the day to day or the like one, two, three week variety, and it just all adds up. And it just you have to have a roster the next game, and it and I wouldn't expect it to get better. Like I think a lot of these guys might be back soon, but then it's just going to be somebody else. Right, like how you can't play four four times a week, including a back to back, and just not lose anybody. And it, I know a lot of people think the Abs have been cursed. There's a lot of teams going through it. Boston's been like McAvoy and whoever they can find to dress on the blue line. For a week. <laughs> yeah. like it's Get not there. just us. No, and and one you know I. I I thought about trying to weave the narrative that the way the Avs are playing this year, you know, like I just couldn't, like I mentioned, just sort of pl- trying to play a heavier game or whatever, you know, that's contributing to their injuries or, you know, and it, it might, um, but the, you know, it's like, this, this isn't new. Um, no, it, it's an unsupported it, and an unsupportable narrative because we don't know right. what any of the injuries are. Because right. the Avalanche like, believe it, it, that everything is a state secret. Yeah, and that plus just... again, it's like this happened. It you know, like two major outbreaks and then a couple of minor ones last year. You know, like not even counting things like Willie. So it's like they, you know, they just they get injured a lot, and, and maybe long term, this is you know, there is something that the Avs do training wise or Bednar does coaching wise. That, that maybe, you know, add a little bit of a factor onto how often guys get injured. But, you know, this is just something that happens to all teams. And the Avalanche specifically tend to get a, a bunch of injuries. And we no don't know. Are they, they more play. conservative if some guy says something's bothering him? Are they at the are they thinking like, OK, well, this isn't the time of year or maybe this isn't the year to to push it like crazy because 
there's no reason to push through your playing four games a week. Like it, it's not going to let Unless up. you're like Sam and you're just like, fuck that. I'm playing. <laughs> well, Sam's a machine. <laughs> Sam's, like, I... Sam's like, give me 28 minutes. It's fine. Let's go. <laughs> At 29. Let's I'll do it. Let's go. Two, two goals there, in two games. Like... Let's go. Any I don't care question, if I had 104 okay. fever yesterday. I'm playing. <laughs> I don't have it now. I'm good. And it is funny. He is one of the most durable players on the team. And you don't know. Maybe he had the same kind of stuff that maybe someone else wouldn't play through. Like, you have to think, if someone plays every single game, they were dealing with something at some point, And they played through it. Maybe some guys can play through it more than others. But yeah. he should get credit. I mean, you look at his size, you think, oh, this guy's going to get killed all the time. And no, he's actually one of the most durable players on the entire team. Yeah, there, and there's he had definitely... his Iron Man streak ruined by a virus. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely a, fa- like a like a personal factor to just like being able to sustain minor injuries and, and make it through that. There's also like a style of, of game element to it. Like no one's gonna sit there and look at, at Jonathan Chichu and say, "Boy, that guy had a real talent for staying healthy." Like he had a talent for making <laughs> circles on the ice. Is what he had. Um, well, yeah, you can't hit what you can't catch. But uh, but, but with with he, Sam, it's some of that, but it's also just some guys are just win the genetic lottery. Yeah, yeah. that too. And guy's a machine. He really is. And and how much he plays, and they played him in the back to back. Is is just that's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes for anybody. And Taze is doing it too. Let's be, yeah. Be fair. He's he's definitely playing a lot more than he ever did in his career as well. Yeah. And and Taze, yeah. is, apart from the time he blocked a shot and and it broke a bone, like what what are you gonna do? Like apart from that, Taze has been b- extremely a rock solid too. He just he doesn't yeah. have quite the high level skill that, that Sam has specifically with the puck. And as long as Sam keeps logging these massive minutes, you're going to see him show up in Norris conversation, folks. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. That would be wild. If, if anyone would ever give him credit. For I don't, that I don't because... know if he would reach the point of winning it just because of all, all the factors that go into Norris and most of them aren't actually hockey related, but he's going to get in the conversation. Yeah. I think, I think he's got to be mentioned for quite a while before he actually win it. But I think the mentions start this year. Oh, even if he just got some votes. I mean, I was looking at it. He has nine even strength points. The highest in the league is eleven for defensemen. So I think Carlson has eleven. Yeah. The the good Carlson. <laughs> um, <laughs> Both Carlsons are pretty good. I'll let y'all figure out which one I'm referring to. <laughs> um. So, I mean, he's he's producing, and I saw some mention about, well, he's getting a lot of production because he's stepping in from a car in power play one. It was like, that is not the truth right there. They're so. not scoring much on the power play. <laughs> Hello. And any power play production that he has is from the second unit. Yes, especially not the first unit. Um, but what one thing that happened, just to kind of get, bring us right back to those to the games that we basically pretend it didn't happen and for good reason it was terrible to watch um if you if you're ever curious why can't the colorado avalanche with all these very very talented players score goals where, where have the goals gone just watch um i think it was in friday's game um watch the power play right before val nichushkin scores his one of his goals cutting into the crease um, because, wow, 
that it had everything you could want to, to look at why this team has struggled to score goals at times. It had Earl's F3 high, despite being on a power play. It had nobody <laughs> wanting to move. It had just static passing back and forth. It had, gee, I wonder what they're going to do next. Oh, the same thing again. Like, if, I if you're the penalty killers, are... you're like, like, like going, please continue. Like if that's like the time last year when Snoop Dogg was was doing a little bit of color for the <laughs> LA Kings, and just goes, oh, that was like he, he just goes, y'all can do that all y'all want, y'all ain't gonna get no points. <laughs> and you're right, Snoop. You're right. And it's that funny because be last like the night they actually had a good power game. play. They did. I didn't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, they had a really good power play, and they um, they didn't capitalize on it. But uh, I think O'Connor scored right after that. Um, uh, maybe it was a good power play. But it like, generated like five shots on goal. Right, and it's it's weird that it worked so well, and they still weren't moving around much, and the defense was still able to stand wherever they felt like it. Um, yeah, it it wasn't. It wasn't I great. Didn't. So much That's usually much my better. pet peeve is like they don't score because they don't get the defense moving. Like, you know, I, I watch Toronto a lot. That's generally how they score is they get the defense all confused because the defense has to move around to cover everybody. Um, but, you know, it's like you don't have to get the defense moving, although I do think it's a good idea. I do feel like they're trying some different looks. And part part of that is also because you have to because you don't have McKinnon. But they were trying it when he was still playing this week. So I do feel like I have to give them a little bit of credit. I don't mind when they had Miko up at the point. It at least was something different. It's different look, getting the guys moving around. And then they, the power play goal they scored against San Jose, it was like, yeah, the first time in three years it occurred to them, you could move towards the net. And then you yeah. collapse the penalty killer's box and you're closer to the net, and you have a better chance of getting a shot in, and they did. So, yep. It, and that's and how they like, scored... They, they a, never learned from it. <laughs> they, well, they, they scored a PP goal, like, three games in a row, and they were pretty much all kind of the same story. Like, two of them were Gabe Landeskog knocking in a rebound. Yeah. You just you have Which to actually great. hit the net with a shot that generates a rebound, is the issue, instead of taking a point shot that rims around and clears itself, or putting it off of somebody's right. shin pad... Right. And I've always liked Sam on Power Play 1. I think that they... I always wanted him on it when McCarr comes back. But, you know, I mentioned that for years. But I think there is some potential there as long as that he is taking McCarr's spot. That yeah. that once they get comfortable with with how he likes to pass and how they like to receive the pass, that it could get better. So... The power play is pretty much status quo. Like I said, I'll give them credit for at least attempting to come up with some ideas. I don't know if they're really going to significantly improve it, but at least yeah, they. I, mean, I, I think with the talent the Avs have on defense, and, and you know, we've all said this a lot many times that you know they could put two guys, two defensemen on each power play, and do fine with it. And I I, I realize that sort of the the way that that bednar and and pratt think is like if we only use one guy and on the first unit and one guy in the second and then bring in a second kind of late um then we're we're saving a lot of wear and tear and sort of energy for the defensive core as a whole and and i do think that's that's part of what they do look at 
at that no, point. No, I, I, they definitely do look at that. Playing <clears throat> the crap out of some of them. And, you know, maybe now that Sam has the production that he can be looked at again as like, hey, this guy does generate offense and he's going to help in these situations. And I think it's a little unfortunate that it, it takes the points for him to get the true credit, but he has, as Bednar would say, elevated his game. Oh my God. I, there's some guy riding his dirt bike up and down the street. So I'm sorry. That's what that bad. was. <laughs> oh my God. I'm trying to mute it. I don't. I apologize. If you're leaving this in the show to everyone, I apologize. I'm in my house. I don't know what to do about it. I, I haven't heard anything. So. Um, I heard I, I heard like one pass and I was like, what could that be? <laughs> I know, I know. My God. Well, at least this is your neighbor like sitting in the driveway revving his Harley. <laughs> <laughs> He's going up and down, like in a circle, like up and down, up and down. I know. That th- I have people across the street from me have like a, a dirt bike and they just... <laughs> <laughs> All summer long. <laughs> so yeah, they, they have been trying some different things on the power play, and some of it is also just like they haven't been getting rewarded for those trash chances. Like Landeskog is banged home this week, so that helps too. Um, but yeah, there's just there, yeah. there's 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 only They're so much getting, that, I mean, that you can it's do. It's hard to argue hurry. with their efficiency. Yeah, it, it, it the like issue their is there's no practice still pretty time. decent. Like how much of a big yeah. change can you make? Not that they would anyway, but they, yeah. Right. Well, they've they've done some changes, but I mean this this season has has for so many reasons. This this season has developed into such a mess, such a you can't take anything away from anything kind of season. Like okay, and the, they're they're 40% through the season too. Like this is reality. That this this is what it's going to be like the rest of the year yeah. and and it's just like well, if anything it gets worse yeah totally it's just it it's kind of a joke um but the the power play is what the power play is going to be the penalty penalty kill is what the penalty kill is going to be and and we saw a little bit of a little glimpse um on on saturday night at how important group hour is to the penalty kill um yeah because you really can't go for two on the pk especially not at that time of the game <clears throat> is there anything else to talk about from the Ducks games? Cause although this is really the main things that I yeah. remember, other than like individual performances that we'll, that we'll get to at Stars and Scratches. Uh, other than than that, it's just like, boy, this was like just watching like, coffee do, drip into a pot. I, I do think it's interesting that they went b- down by two in both games. That's, that's the Ducks lately. Would... The, the Ducks blew two well, three goal leads in a row to the Arizona yeah. Coyotes but and they blew two two goal leads It's almost like you want them to score first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll say they haven't done it all year. Gibson's a good goalie. Miller always plays against the Avs well. Yeah. And the Ducks are are tough stylistically for them. I I do feel like the Ducks look like not a good team. It's clear. They, sure they don't. stink. So, <laughs> it was a slow, it was a grindy game. But they came back from a deficit like that, from a two-goal deficit. That's not easy. That's something they haven't done. It's yeah. not easy. I will give them credit for that because they no, could, coming into the weekend they had scored five goals while being while trailing and, and given up fourteen. So 
and that is a concern. And they definitely could have packed it in, especially in the first game. Especially down to... after the performance they had on Monday in San Jose, where they just had a massively defa- deflating loss. You come out with it's a deflating like... start, and then you come back against John Gibson playing in front of a team whose whole game plan is help our extremely good goalie. Like, that's that's worth something. Yeah. It just, it changes so much when they get a goal. And, of course, scoring lifts any team. But it's almost like they need to be reminded that, like, hey, we can do this. We can score. And I feel like they are having some sort of crisis of confidence that they don't believe that they can score and change the game like that all the time. And you, it's like when they, you know? once they finally do it, like if they had done it in the San Jose disaster at any point had gotten another goal in that game, they probably would have been like, oh yeah, we can do this. Well, we saw that on Wednesday too, where the first half of that game was just like eye-gougingly terrible. And then oh. somebody scores, and then Colorado's just like, oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're a good team. We're going to win this game. And then they do. <laughs> exactly. You look at the score, and you think, oh, they handled that. But right, they, they was scoreless for so long that the game it, didn't feel like that. Yeah. And that's, you know, that that's another thing I just don't like about this heavy possession style, because I do think it drags your shooting percentage down, and it just it makes it very frustrating. And I, I think that's part of we've seen McKinnon very frustrated most of the year before he got injured. Um, and I just I, I think when you're in a situation where you're shooting a lot, but it you're just you're not getting the results, it, it hurts more than if you're not shooting enough. Well, I definitely think that that's overall a good point. I don't think it applies to Nathan McKinnon specifically because he's hit 700,000 posts on rush chances. So, <laughs> but the rest of the team, I will grant you probably not McKinnon. He, he's just had some bad luck on the posts this season. Definitely. But it, yeah. it does make you wonder because he was a 5% shooter before he, he flipped the switch. And no, I don't think he's back to like, no. When he was a 60-point player, that's not what I'm trying to say. But he has had shooting percent percentage struggles in the past. Yeah, he's never been a real... Like, he's a, he's a volume shooter. He's 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 got, a, you know, buckets and buckets of skill, and you see it in his shootout attempts. But he's he's not somebody who's going to shoot 13 14%. No. Yeah, that's like Miko and Burakovsky. Right. Those two are the, the accuracy shooters. But also yeah, from the Ducks I, game, like I like I said earlier, I loved seeing Nuke have his, his big game. And yeah. I like seeing that they can score and get contributions from other guys when they need it. Like, the top line wasn't going to do with that game, or whatever you want to call the top line. And so you need somebody else to show up. And I was going to say Bednar was totally galaxy-braining Nuke in overtime. Because I didn't love that first shift. You know, he's not the, the most skilled with the puck, and you really need somebody that's able to corral and control that puck in, in overtime. But, hey, when he threw him back out there in that shift he scored, that's exactly what they needed. That, that was so. that was draft year to Chushkin. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I will give Bednar credit for – he does have a good feel for – when certain guys are going and I know it's may, might seem obvious, but I think he does have a good sense for somebody that's going to, to give value out of give, being given extra minutes. 
Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and Sod gonna... was out there with him, and Sod had a great game. It, you know, probably, probably most people didn't notice how good of a game Sod had on Friday. Uh, but I mean, he, you know, he had a hand in all three goals, um, scored one. The, the <clears> one um, he scored was a brilliant pass from Burakovsky. Yeah. Um, Who but that, JB you know, also has a justifiable leash with when he can go, okay, Burr is not going. You're, you're yeah. going to lose some minutes now. <laughs> I have liked Burakovsky a lot more in general this year, but yeah, there, there's... Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Burakovsky's week. <laughs> we'll talk about Burakovsky's okay. week. I cuz uh yeah, spoilers. <laughs> and then the the last Ducks game, I just I they have totally hit the limit of like how much talent you can be missing and and be the same team. It's just oh god, I hope they get some people back this week and don't really lose anybody because they need to start increasing some talent like they're at too much ahl at this point like they are bordering on ahl level team so i don't even know what you could say about that game like i i love that they came back again they should have won the game up four to two and yeah we already talked about some of the gold some of the penalties i don't know at least they got out of that series with three points I yeah. You think okay, I, I predicted five points, so you'd say overall, you know, getting five points in a week isn't terrible. Then you also look at they were the two worst teams in our division, and now we've already played half of our slate against both of them. That's a little concerning, but they're also never really been easy. Well, the Ducks certainly have never been easy for the Avs. There's no excuse for them screwing up the San Jose game. So I don't know. Yeah. There's just uh, this whole season is a lot of that. Like there's good, there's bad, but you know, they're not dominant like people expect. And it's not just injuries or bad luck or mirage. Like they are not dominant. Yeah, and the optimist take that's out there is they've got six out of eight points on that road trip. They got three out of four in those last two games. They're third in the division by points. They're second by points percentage. They're in a decent position. So there's, it's a whole lot of freaking out about nothing. Yeah. Like, I think at this point you can reasonably expect them to make the playoffs. But, and then from there we'll see. Like, I think that's just the story of this whole season. Like, them as a team and the players, they should be absolutely chasing the division because you always want to strive for the best. But as far as us, like, I I don't even think it matters. Like, we know who the best four teams are. At this point, I'm not even sure I could tell you what's better. I don't think you're winning anything because people think if you win the division, you're going to get Minnesota. I don't know if that's better at this point. Like you're just going to make the playoffs. You're going to play one of those teams. You're going to have to beat two of them to get out of the division. Like this is where we're at. So is the rest of the season just a matter of getting to that point? Because that's, that's pretty much what it is. The rest of the season to me is a matter of banking points where you can and trying not to take any major injuries. And like, just because we, we've seen all these teams and we're just going to see them again over and over and over and over and over. And every division is in the same same boat and we, we don't get to see anybody else until the, you know, semifinal if you've reached that point. So it's just like at the end of the season, it's just going to be such a drag. It is. And I hate the deadline I... anyway, but why on earth in this year would you want 
to blow major assets to pretty much put yourself in the exact same position that you are in right now today. Yeah. And you I don't mean, know. I... You don't know if there's going to be another if they're going to get shut down for COVID again, you don't know any of the, these other auxiliary things that could happen. Why would you use what little you have left that's expendable to chase the exact same result? I mean, I've, I've made the point all season that what they are obviously lacking is a, a second goaltender. If Frank is indeed not around. Um, and they really do need a bottom six center. I, I, w- I shouldn't say that. It would be really nice to have a bottom six center that, that really plays like a center that can control the middle of the ice, uh, defensively especially. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that's a need. I, I'd say that's, you know, if you, if you had a way to get one without giving up too much, that, that would be one thing that I would target. Well, if you had a way but to develop just, uh, one, that would be kind of cool too. Yeah, they're exactly, not calling up Shane Bowers. They're not calling up <laughs> Shane Bowers. I mean, it's um, pretty clear at this point. Uh, pretty clear. Yeah. But re- regardless of, you know, if they go out and get like a, a bottom six wing or something like that, I, I just, I don't see the point. It's a waste of time. Uh, right. It's like, I don't think they need another defenseman. It's like, you know, I, I, Renouf hasn't been that bad. I mean, it, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him out of the lineup because that would mean that somebody that can take some minutes off of Taves and, and Gerard would be in the lineup like Bo or, or Makar. Um, but, you know, it's like if you're plugging him in for a game or two, I I, I haven't minded him. Yeah, none, none uh, of the defenders I, have been that bad. Right, and I I've liked McDonald. I, I, I think McDonald's the... If you're going to pick anyone that makes you feel like we don't really need to go out and get anybody or we don't really need to bring Pattern back is is McDonald. I think he's yeah. shown NHL capability. I, I will agree Renouf hasn't been terrible. He's had his the first Ducks game was certainly his best game. The others I think he he optically was fine, but I don't think he he was really helping much. But no, he hasn't been like terrible and going to lose you games. But it's funny right. they bring the plugs up and the plugs don't lose you games, but yet you think the actual talent would. Well, I mean, it's like Renouf like, is playing like 10 minutes too. and Graves is playing 20, so he's twice as many chances to make a mistake. So Right, but I, but I certainly am not even going to say like, oh, because they lost, because they had Magna and Renouf. I mean, that's not true. Like, they didn't do anything to lose that Ducks game. It's just at some point, if you play talented players, they become better than warm bodies. Yeah, the, the only thing that Magna did to lose the Ducks game was get absolutely robbed by an incredible Ryan Miller save. Yeah. That Well, those two were the lowest in the course too. I mean, it's But he still could have scored it, a game-winning goal, but yeah. but Ryan Miller decided that he's just going to go crouching tiger hidden dragon and that all of a sudden and That's yeah, the I mean, difference between AHL and NHL too, but And I'd honestly say that probably the player that did, did the least for the team might have been Sherwood. Um two games hasn't they... been as good. Did he since play? Being back like and they're not playing him that much. Like he has. Well, been... there's a reason for that. Which which like, games the, has uh, he drawn into? Because I cannot remember seeing him on the ice. Well, he was the in last two? night. Last I, yeah, like, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him once. There's there was this he, shift he was early the in the Nathan first period McKinnon when he had three. <laughs> there's <laughs> this shift early in the first period last night where he had three chances to clear the puck from maybe ten feet away from the blue line and didn't do it. And I was just like, oh man. 
that's just that's not good. You're not going to see much ice time tonight, kid. Well, if they ever get anyone back and they start sending these people out, it will be interesting to see which of them goes first or which of them is the last man standing. Yeah, I, I definitely think that McDonald earned that shout out. He's he's yeah. I don't want I don't want to use the word revelation because he's not that good, but he, he's emerging as an NHL player. And, yeah. and I think they're, he's makes... like, kind of the level of talent that maybe there's not room for him on the Avalanche blue line when they're not all hurt. So that may be a, a trade piece down the line. We'll see. But I agree with Earl that at least you feel confident enough that some of these guys aren't going to hurt you, that maybe you don't need to panic and get basically the same thing at the deadline. Is that you know yeah. that you can use some of these guys. But the McDonald thing is if you really feel like he's earned his spot then what does that say about timmins he's not because they're not gonna have room for both (laughs) (laughs) says that timmins has unearned his spot yeah says timmins is just not looking too hot and you know i hate it for him i I think timmins has basically hit a wall i agree um and it's just because he you know he started out okay and then got a little bit better and then it got bad and it just looks like he's hit a plateau and I thought when they took him out for a few games, that was kind of like that was going to be the teaching moment. Um, and they probably they wanted to keep... play him, but then they weren't right. Gonna... And they... Right, and then they, they, I think they probably had to bring him back faster than they wanted to. And that's, you know, I, I think he's still probably in line for his teaching moment. He's still, you know, he's still very inexperienced as far as pro games. So, um, it's just going to be know, interesting how they want to continue to approach that like i've said before i don't mind what they've done with him he's been around he might not play every game but he's he's still part of the team and this and that it's just if you really want to have the mcdonald conversation then you're also having the timmons conversation because mcdonald's a lot more consistent and mcdonald is more comfortable with the puck he's he's more sort of assertive in his play um you know and he is he yeah, can he's be dangerous six sometimes. years older. Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> dangerous at both ends. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Got a little um, bit of Tyson no, Berry in him. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's even though they look nothing alike, yeah, that that is kind of like the results are kind of the same. Yeah, so I I agree with you that I think he's been the best of the replacements. It'll just be interesting. Yeah. Maybe they'll never be healthy enough where it's even a question, but you know, it's that's kind of how it feels. <laughs> that too. I do feel like Timmons was better against the Ducks. Having a slow, grindy team helps him. That's not going to transition as much. Same for Ryan Graves. So, <laughs> that, that's true, even though that the first period against the first Ducks game, oh boy, was Graves rough. Yeah, it was interesting that Graves and uh, Graves and um. Timmons were the guys that really got benched at the end of that um, the first Ducks game. So sp- speaking of getting benched, uh, we've been we've been going for a minute now. Why don't we just go ahead and jump into stars and scratches? <laughs> Sounds good. I-, I would like to take Hunter Miska off the table because we had that conversation and it's consensus. That's fine. Fair enough. Um, so stars of the week, I usually let y'all go first, but I'm going to jump on it this time because we need to give credit to Val Nichushkin for playing a, just a couple of fantastic games against the Ducks, um, and basically winning the first one single-handedly. 
Um, when he when he is on, very much agreed. He has definitely got a lot of value to the team above the competent bum level, and above and his his you know defensive play had taken kind of a hit this year. We've talked about that a few times. Um, but he was he was rad the last couple of games. He definitely deserves credit for it. Shout out and a star to yeah. Matushkin. I'm always happy to see Nuke do well. Yeah. So, I'm good with that one. Am I just going to do the obvious one again? Like Sam. You can if Sam you want was to. My star. Sam was my star last week. I think he's, nobody's going to disagree that he needs a star this week. He scored two goals. <clears throat> and he had two assists in the last game. 100 career points. He's 10th for the draft class in career points. So, um, like I said earlier, it's a little sad that it takes production for him to really get the credit, but he's also stepped up his game there. I think he's tied for third on the team in scoring, and he's just such a massive, massive part of what makes this team successful. It's not just the points, it's the minutes that he logs, it's the poise he has with the puck. You can all, you can pretty much always trust him to make a good play to save them. Not that he's mistake-free, and, and when he does play so much, if you want to count out some Sam mistakes, you'll find them. But if you're going over 28 minutes of him being on the ice, uh, the ratio of good to bad, he's he's always making a positive difference for the team. And he never has like a bad full game. Like He might have a bad shift or a bad period, but you're never... You're never losing value in a game because you you've had him. So he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm there's like three guys I could probably give a star to. I, I'm probably going to give it to Miko, um, just goals. because four goals is nice. I <clears throat> I know everybody hates that penalty last night in overtime. I. You know, it's like with Gabe getting tackled right before that and, and the dive kind of that happened on, on the penalty, I, I'm going to absolve him of a little blame there. Um, he's been a little he... slow in a few games, but he's he's turned it on. Yeah. Like, he's um, he knows that he needs to pick it up whenever McKinnon's out, and I think he does. Yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting they were playing him at center. Like Yeah. And if McKinnon continues to be out, I wonder if that's something they continue to do because I think Kadri on that top line is not what they want to do. If they can get someone else to play center, like Nico did, you know, he played center in the AHL and he played some in Finland. So he's skilled enough, has good enough vision. I don't think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, I, I think if, if you're able to use Miko as a center and then if you can keep Gabe with, with Kadri, because I think both of them together kind of make a center. <laughs> um, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's probably the the best you can do as long as Miko can carry a, an entire line by himself. And this is something we've wondered for years. You know, what what would happen if, if we put Miko on a line with just some guys? You know, would he be able to carry it? And, you know, I think it's been a little hit or miss over the last two games. But, <clears throat> um, you know, if Nate's going to be out for a little while... It, you know, you, you can figure it out. Um, and I, I would give an honorable, men, honorable mention to Gabe and to Brandon Saab. Yep, they deserve that. I think yeah. Taze deserves an honorable mention, too, because yeah. like we said before, if we're going to give Sam credit for all those minutes, then I think Taze gets credit for that, too. 
Yeah, because I mean, he even he played four more minutes than Sam over the week at five v five, or no, total. Um, you know, it's like both guys were way over a hundred minutes, and that's just ridiculous for four games. <laughs> and um. Also, an honorable mention to to my chair, which is just sitting here. I'm not even moving; just pop, 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 popping away. So, in a week that I think we would all maybe sum up as frustrating to have that many guys that we want to shout out as being good. I think it is a positive. Yeah. Yeah. So Cause usually I look at sort of, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I sort of look at, you know, like who's good and who's bad. And it's like, you scroll down. It's like, there's enough good that you're not really that surprised. It's sort of like half the lineup's good, half's bad. And, and I think you'll take that. Given the, given the way the roster looks right now. Sure. Exactly. Who's on the scratch side? This is tough because either you're going low hanging fruit or guys that I don't think have been like awful through four games. I'm gonna go for the second one. <laughs> so, so what do y'all can take a low hanging fruit? <laughs> Graves, I think. I was gonna say you can take Graves if you want. <laughs> okay, I'll take Graves. <laughs> it's just I feel like he has been better since he had his little reset, and he is getting overplayed. Like. He just, he's taking way too many minutes than I think Benner wants to give him. But it, it's kind of like, okay, who would you rather get those minutes? And you're not really coming up with answers either. I guess McDonald can take some. It's not as bad. But he's just back to seriously bad decisions, inconsistent, the turnovers. He's got to be better. Like, they... And like I said, you're putting him in in an unfortunate situation, but you also paid the guy $10 million, and he just has to be better. He's he's not a kid. He's not, like, a depth guy. He's a guy that you said is going to be on this team, and he's got to do better. It, it's a combination of things, the, the turnovers and some of the pinching decisions, but also the skating. Like, I mean, he's never going to have foot speed. And and you're you have to be okay with that if you're gonna play him and, and give him three years. It's it's the turning around and falling down. What is yeah. that? <laughs> like that's not something that he's always done, is it? Did we just not notice because Caleb McCarr was covering his ass? <laughs> I don't know. He was just in the offensive zone so much. I I think it was part of being with McCarr, but it was part of because it, he was always going forward with the puck. Maybe. Because his, his turnarounds are just uh, just an adventure. Um, I'm going to give my scratch, and it, it's sort of a reluctant one, and it's more of a disappointment scratch, and that's in Tyson Jost. Um, you know, Jost had crossed my mind, too. He was given a pretty big opportunity with all the guys out of the lineup, and then it just... It's not, not really scratching him. It's it's just sort of a confirmation that that this is you know he's he's not going to be that guy, and that, you know that, that just you know it's disappointing. He's... But the thing is, like he knows it too. He knows that like when he makes the mistake that that he that he was the one that that put them in that position. And it wasn't just him. It certainly was not on some of those goals, but. For me, it sucks because I feel like he he's reading the play. He has the hockey sense. He has the work ethic. 
and the kind of like the and I don't know I don't want to say energy but the the will and the want his body just fails him he cannot move that fast yep it was so and, tough there was this one play in the defensive zone I, I think it was on Friday night and it's like he you know he grabbed a turnover off of one of the Ducks players and it's like if he could have just moved a little quicker with his first two steps he would have had enough space to make a good outlet pass and he, he didn't and it it just it it created chaos and stayed in the zone it's just so and many just of those looking it's... at it you're like that it, right there is just that's why he's just not quite not you know quite like it. on a two on one <laughs> burakovsky's passing to him it, he's just he's just behind the pass you know like burakovsky's expecting you know, someone to be a little bit faster. It, it's just always things like that. It's almost like you can see him reading it. You can see that he's he's going to the right spot. He's making the right decision. And I think that's what the huge disconnect between what he was as a junior player and what he is now is that when he was a junior player, he was doing all those things, but he was just that half, half a second fast enough to accomplish it. And when yeah. you get to the NHL and he just – he can't move that fast. It's just, it's a skating. It's, and it's not even like a hockey sense thing. Cause I think he's, he's seeing it, but he just isn't fast enough to get there. And it's too bad. And he still has value. I think like we've talked about his role and we feel better about him filling that more of a bottom six role and not forcing it. But then when you see he has to play up the lineup, it just, it's not happening. Yeah, Jost is like the perfect example of a, of a competent bum. He's he's a guy who doesn't really make mistakes. He just doesn't really make plays either. Except on that first goal on Friday. Yeah, well, there's, <laughs> everybody has mistakes sometimes. But like he's he's not a player who's gonna go out there and just blow it over and over and over. He's a guy who's doing the yeah. right things. He just isn't quite capable of doing them at that level. And there, there's a lot of value in that. Um, it's just not in the scoring part of your lineup. And that's where you, right. you need some, you know, you need to be able to bring somebody into your lineup who has some scoring ability and isn't he who must not be played or Magna or anything like that. Yeah. And it's like the scoring has picked up a little bit lately. It, you know, I mean, he had like zero points up until I think what, like two weeks ago. I only scored a goal uh, late in a blowout and. Yeah, it was the nice assist on the. I think it was the sod goal. It was it was yeah. him working hard down low and create. It helped create that goal. But I think he has like three points now, and that's you know it's not, it's not that's very good. just that that's not enough. And it's like there's plenty of other guys that aren't on you know that don't have enough either. So it's just it's not something that you can. I, I'm I'm not really going to take a lot out of this season as far as. You know your your minimum point per game rate to be an NHL player kind of thing, but you know it's just if this was a regular NHL season, I'd be like, why are you in the lineup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I'm gonna overreact to one play and give my scratch to Andre Burakovsky, um, <laughs> because you're you're the Ole play. The Ole play <laughs> is part of it, um, but okay. that's that's not the play. You're you're up by a goal. Five minutes to play in regulation. And you get into it with a guy in the offensive zone and cross-check him in the face. 
I don't think I ever saw that replay, so I didn't know. I think it was high sticking. Yeah, it was. I... It was called high sticking. No, it was a cross check. It was a cross check. <laughs> okay. he, he, I think he's. Tr- they're just giving it back and forth, just having this undisciplined little moment, and he he tries to cross check him on the shoulders, and the stick rides up into his whole face, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden now the team's on a penalty kill with Hunter, Hunter Miskin net. You've got to have the discipline to know the situation because that's a game losing penalty. Miko's tripping penalty in overtime. It's it's, it's whatever. It's careless. You're brain tired you've been you've been playing like crazy for all week it's a second game of back-to-back there's a lot of excuses you can come up with 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 that for that one this is just undisciplined this can't happen that was game losing yeah yeah and i i was not but the ole play was pretty bad too the ole play was also very bad i was not watching altitude so i didn't hear the whole breakdown of it a a face-off goal is i don't know it to me that's really hard to fault anybody on a face-off goal it's just I don't know. He pretty Almost. much had it. He just not <laughs> gotten right out of the way. Yeah, well, I, the, I mean, the he was play. probably trying to give Miska a better chance at seeing it. I guess. I, I hope. So, but uh, no. One of one of the things that I think is always very funny in the National Hockey League is what I call Scott Hannoning. and and that's when someone <laughs> sticks their ass out really far in one direction and their stick out really far in the other. Um, <laughs> and what Burra did was like half of that but he didn't really commit to it but what the only thing he really committed to on that play was sliding out of the shooting lane and yeah. and then you've got miska and that who's just like oh the far post i can't cover that <laughs> i think burkowski was was on the other face-off goal that happened i don't remember against which team so maybe there is something that he's not quite doing correctly on that so i'm not i'm not going to discount that it's just I'm I was sure, going to personally break down like, into Like, that. Riker tore him a new one, and I'm sure the coaching staff is going to do the same. Yeah, I, I didn't see Rycroft's <laughs> segment because I don't generally care about those. Um, I don't, I'm not asking Burakovsky to get in there and block shots. Just like, on, on a face-off, tie the guy up. It's the guy in the slot. Yeah. I mean, I'm not no, going to disagree with that. It's just if I was going to eviscerate someone for a play, I don't know if I'd pick anyone on a face-off goal, but... Yeah, those are those are usually kind of just like... I, They're kind of magic bullshitty in a way. Sorta, yeah. Things have to go really, really right to get a face-off goal. Um, but man, that that's a game-losing penalty. You, that can't happen. Yeah. So coming up this week, feel the excitement. Monday and Wednesday at seven o'clock local, the Alves will play two more games against the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> and then on Friday at seven o'clock local, they'll take on the LA Kings. We're doing our show on Saturday next week, and then taking our vacation the following week. Um, so. Three games. What you got? Jeez. I mean, it's well, like after this week, I don't even three. know. But Arizona well, seems to be sort of the potion of rejuvenation for me, too. <laughs> <clears throat> oh. And I'm going to, I'll go, I'm going to go with four points. And Arizona's this, only the second series they've won. They won the first one against San Jose and the Arizona series, which... I think it's going to be happening a lot, a lot of splits. So, but you, you got to hope two out of three. However, however it happens, you need two out of three from the East. Uh, I don't know. Are they going to sweep them again? I'll they, say maybe not. I, I'd be a lot more confident in my prediction if I knew who the fuck was going to play. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, we need to read our tea leaves. I don't know. I feel like he's better. This is my read on it, and everyone can listen to this later and laugh. But 
My read on it, Bednar seems fairly positive on Byram, so I think he could be, especially if he skates today, I think he could be back tomorrow. Yeah. He seems positive on Calvert, but Calvert, and I don't care they said it wasn't a concussion, then it's related to something with that issue. So that always seems super iffy, and I don't think they're necessarily better with Calvert. I don't think Um, they are at all. McKinnon, I don't know. It, it was nice hearing that they thought he could even skate because usually if they do concussion protocol, that's like a week-long thing. Like, if you – I don't know. Are they just really going to wink that he's not in concussion protocol and be like, he can be on the ice? So that one's a little strange, but I guess if you ever really entered it, then – if he feels okay, he can be on the ice. And Makar, I don't know. For some reason, Makar is getting into the whole, like, don't ask me territory. Yeah, I don't think that... we're seeing Makar this week. <laughs> Makar is just so weird. Because it's like, oh, he's not going like, to take this game off. I was like, oh, well, he's going to take these two games off. Oh, no, it's going to take this week off. And now he's week to week. Yeah. Like, what, I, what happened? Like, my... My guess is he probably did something like got a cortisone shot or went into like something where he had to rehab for two weeks before really getting back on the ice or something like that. You know, some something where they had to make a decision whether they could just sort of, you know, play through it or do something proactive for, you know, a couple weeks to get him back in. It is weird because it seems like he was working through it and they took time and they played and clearly... It wasn't all the way healed, and then, yeah, they sent him back to Denver, but, I don't know, he's saying I was hoping for more information, so if they, if they like, really ruled him out, then he would know that. So I think it's still in that gray area, but they seem to really take time with his injuries, so, like, the last time he participated in three skates before he even played, like, that's usually unusual, usually unusual, yeah. but, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't count. Don't put him in your fantasy lineup, guys. I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the dead guys, who who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Someday they'll just they'll just be out there for practice or morning skate, and they'll be alive. I, I was thinking about this on my hike today, but I wouldn't be surprised if EJ basically retires right after the expansion draft. Oh, God. I, I don't think it's going to be that simple. I don't think... <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not saying like he's going to be out there and in, in jeopardy of being taken or anything, but just as a as, as a, a guy that has to be on the roster to give them a requisite number of players or whatever. But like he he might be done forever. I don't know about. That. I think Calvert's done after this year. Um, Belmare's getting old too. I don't know about EJ. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Yeah, Belmar is go- is like just kind of dropping out of the league at his level of play. It's not, it's a, it's a different situation for him. Like he's, he, yeah. he is at best a guy. Um, but with, with EJ and Calvert, you're call, if you're battling concussion symptoms for this long, it's like you, there's other things other than hockey. Right. So yeah, it certainly is a concussion for EJ at, at this point. It's, that is a big concern. It's been over a month now. So as for this week, I think that four points is both the minimum and also what's most likely to happen. That's a good way to put it. <clears throat> like, if you don't get four points out of this week, you're really hurting yourself and your your need to bank points that we talk about. Or at least that I yeah. talk about. Um, but beating and, Arizona and, and they're, twice... They're finally, 
They've and... been at home for a while now, so it's like usually once they get comfortable being at home, they they usually pick up their play a little bit. Yeah, and so maybe that'll happen. But beating Arizona four times in a row is you know not easy. Um, and LA is a team that frustrates you in the same way Anaheim does, but they have a little bit more ability to actually score goals. Yeah. So they have played better. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they look since we haven't seen them before. They had their little run. So well, I think Los Angeles one playing... game to, to between those three is acceptable and probably going to happen. Dropping two, we're going to be back to ripping our hair out. Yeah. So, but I I think Los Angeles playing like a more skilled, quicker game actually makes them easier for the Avs to play, just because it, it, it sort it of makes it <laughs> right. It just it makes it more like playing Minnesota. You know, it's like you're playing a game against a team that's you know quick and, and a little bit skilled, and you're able to sort of you know go back and forth a little bit. Hopefully, they at least lose two AHLers this week. You, you really just need them to get somebody back so they're entertaining to watch. Yeah. I know. It's it's sad for me with no Byron just because I – it's so much fun for me to just watch him. I know he's not, like, the best player out of everybody that's out, but he makes, like, any game watchable for me. So please come well, I just, back. I, I think Byron, <laughs> getting Byron back is probably the most – well, I mean, getting Mac back would be the most important. But <clears throat> getting Byron back is very important to the defense just because, like – you know, it's like Sam and Taves, they, they took, you know, their 100-plus minutes this week and, and did well with it, but it just, you, you can't do that constantly. No, no. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and it's nice that McDonald was able to pick up a lot more minutes than anyone would have figured, and, you know, Graves is getting overplayed, so it's like you're taking a few minutes out of each of those guys and, and giving them to Byron, and I, I think you're, you're really making the team a lot better. Hopefully... We will see that this week, um, but if, if anybody on the Avalanche gets played so much that they just sink into the ruts they've made in the ice, you know you can find <laughs> out here. Um, th- thanks for tuning in as always. It's going to be, a, a, again, like I said earlier, a Saturday show next week um, because of there's a Sunday game and it's not at an easy time to, to record around. Um, so we will see you then. Um, hopefully there's some better news to talk about next week and hopefully there's some something more interesting to look at. And we will see you then. Just when someone just has, here's the thing I'm going to say, the internet says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Not today. <laughs> Maybe the internet likes Hunter Miska. <laughs> Maybe we just need to slap some flex tape on Jackie's iPad. <laughs> so your internet's leaking out. Here you go. Bam. <laughs> flex seal for the internet. Yeah. 5G approved. <laughs> yeah. It's about as good a troubleshooting job as my cable company does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that me? I was like really in the groove there. Yeah, we figured. <laughs> oh my god, did you get any of that? I don't. Some. I don't even remember what the last thing you said was anymore because we were making fun of it. <laughs> oh my god. We're talking about using know. flex seal tape on your internet. <laughs> <laughs>